the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. As we uh, continue in Hebrews chapter 4, the principal subject is still rest, entering his rest. Not rest as man defines it, but as God defines it. And I told you last week that there are three kinds of rest. The first is the rest of salvation, resting in the work of Christ that he did for us in order for us to be born again. And the second is the rest of sanctification, the rest from the activity of living to the flesh. And then the Sabbath day rest, which we're going to talk about. The Sabbath day rest, the rest of the kingdom of God, which is also referred to as the millennium. Today we're going to cover verses 4 through 13, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 13. For somewhere in Scripture he has said this about the seventh day. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since a promise remains for some to enter his rest, and those who formerly had the good news preached to them failed to grasp it and did not enter because of their unbelief evidenced by disobedience. Notice what evidenced unbelief. He again sets a definite day, a new today, providing another opportunity to enter that rest by saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This mention of rest was not a reference to entering into Canaan. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak about another day of opportunity after that. So that there remains a full and complete Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has once entered into his rest has also rested from the weariness and pain of his human labors, just as God rested from those labors uniquely his own. Let us therefore make every effort to enter the rest of God, to know and experience it for ourselves, so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience as those who died 
in the wilderness. For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of the person, and both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart, and not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account. Every one of you have been in stressful situations, hard situations, and many of us, because we're raised in the church, will gather people around and say, pray for me, I'm about to go through a stressful situation. And there's almost a sense that God is going to be more present that he's going to be more powerful. Then suddenly he's going to, oh, wait a minute, I've got to go attend to Todd because he's got a group praying for him. No, God is with me. And I want to enter in with that knowledge. I don't want to step up here in this pulpit with the idea that somehow I sure hope God shows up. I want to step up, up here believing that God is going to communicate by his spirit and that the message will be his. Because frankly, folks, it's not so much about what I studied or what I put down on paper. It's about what he puts in your heart. That's what's important. I'm up here so that we all have the same uh, frame of reference so that the word of God is, is before you in clarity. But what you learn, what you apprehend, what you receive, you receive from him. As children of God, he is speaking to us. Do not harden your heart. That is, do not deafen your soul. We know that we have a new heart, right? We have a new heart. That heart can't be hardened. It is flesh. It is tender. It is a heart made for God to receive all all of his inclinations, all of his feelings and thoughts, all that he wants to share with you. That heart is ready to receive. But the soul is a different issue entirely. Now, in, in Scripture, heart can be referencing the soul, or it can be referencing a physical heart, or it can be referencing the heart that God has put within you for him. The new heart, the spirit, is another word for it. That heart will not be hardened. What can be hardened, what can be distracted, is the mind, will, and emotions. He wants you to know his rest. He wants you to live in the confidence of faith. He wants you to know the fullness of his love, to trade fear for joy, despair for hope. The promise is now. So many times we call out to God and we say, look, I'm going through this difficulty. I'm despairing. I'm out of balance in my soul And we think about it as though God is somehow going to come in and right the ship. But what he has called us to is faith. And faith is not God's beginning the work. Faith is that God is doing the work. It's ongoing. 
So when I pray, I recognize the work of God. When I ask Him to balance my soul, I'm not saying, Lord, I want you to come in and change things so my soul can be balanced. I'm saying, Lord, align my soul to the truth, to the fact that you're here, to the fact that you're sovereign, to the fact that all things are working, that I may know you, that I may grow in truth, to the fact that you desire me, that you delight in me, that you take pleasure in me. You're not looking to take me away from my situation in order to save me. I've been saved. Faith recognizes that. Let's look at verses 8 and 9. This mention of rest was not a reference to entering into Canaan, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak about another day of opportunity after that. So there remains a full and complete Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has once entered his rest has also rested from the weariness and pain of his human labors, just as God rested from labors uniquely his own. Now, verse 8 is fairly self-explanatory, and the author is asking a question that the Hebrews might ask. They might say, well, we for generations have enjoyed the Lord's Sabbath, and our forefathers entered Canaan long ago. Do we not already possess this rest? And in answer to this, the author has made his point that there must be another rest or God would not speak of another day. So there remains a Sabbath rest. Now, this is the Greek word sabbatismos, which is not the same word that the author had previously used. It refers to the blessed rest from toils and troubles. Looked for in the age to come by the true worshipers of God and the true Christians. It is a reference to the kingdom of God here on earth. Now, then in verse 10, he uses a different word for rest, a different Greek word, which we talked about last time, which is kataposis. And it means to put to rest. In context, it is a rest from wandering. It's not about location. It's not about escaping your enemies. It's about resting in faith, trusting your God, confidence in his word. It's the same word used in Psalm 95. It is a soul rest, a rest from striving and performing during God's pleasure. It is a rest from seeking identity in the flesh, from being our own security and hope. It's a rest from the things of this world. It is a rest of faith, allowing that faith to direct and guide your hope and your thoughts about God. Now, this kind of rest must be entered into. And if I could define it, it is more like the rest of sanctification because it presumes upon what God has already done. It delivers from wandering around. The children of Israel wandered around because they had no direction and they were looking for something that they could call home and hope. But they didn't find anything in the barren wilderness of unbelief. I spent years wandering around in the world. 
I spent years wandering around in carnality. I spent years wandering around in religion. These are barren wastelands that will not be home to me, will not provide for me. Yes, God was with me. He was with me the whole way. He caused my wandering to work together for good. But I know people who are going to die wandering in carnality. Who are never going to know what it is to rest. Because they have chosen against faith. They have a superficial understanding of who God is and what he's done. They believe that his blessing is in the temporal. They believe that his protection is limited by a presence that we must call in. And they believe that they are their greatest hope. That man is their greatest hope. We have been delivered from wandering. It is the rest that God has called us to. It is that moment-by-moment rest that... all. That is always ours to possess. Now verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest of God. To know and experience it for ourselves. So that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience. As those who died in the wilderness. This is not autopilot. Rest is not autopilot. It's a determination to be made. And here's the thing that we know. There's a resistance. Rest is not without struggle. If I define rest as ceasing from all that I have to do, I've got the wrong rest in mind. If I define rest As knowing with confidence that my God is with me and goes before me. That I am exactly where he has placed me. Do you know that? Do you know that today? That you are in the plan of God and you are exactly where he has placed you. Do you know that the condition of your body is exactly what he has allowed? Do you know that today and tomorrow and the rest of your life are in his hands? Do you trust him with that? Do you believe that God loves you in that? Are you still looking, wandering There's a determination of faith that must be embraced. Why? Because we live in a fallen world in a fallen body. An unredeemed body. That will continually strive against faith. It will always offer an alternative to believing. And any alternative to trusting God is unbelief. If you live in unbelief, you don't know the rest of God. You see, rest for God is spiritual. It's not physical. And we, because we are so man-centered, we want to make rest something physical. So that all of our problems somehow go away or they become less problematic. Is that rest? No. Rest for me is knowing that my God is with me. Rest for me is knowing that his life is my life. 
Rest for me is knowing that everything that is true about Christ has become mine in him. Rest for me is knowing that the very best, the greatest, the finest thing that could happen on my behalf has been orchestrated by God. And it is not good because I call it good. It is good because he called it good. And I received it all at the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished concerning Todd Granger. I am not going to live under the pressure of trying to create something of my life. It is finished. I'm not going to live under the pressure of trying to control my life. It is finished. I do not live to all of the variables of this world or to the determination of flesh. It is finished. That is the rest of God. Entering in doesn't mean that we have to go somewhere or create something. It's a determination of faith that says I can rest in the finished work of Christ. I am righteous. I am in the present, in his presence. I am loved and kept, eternally one with his spirit. I am created in his image and for his pleasure. I am his delight. I will enter into the truth of that. That is rest. That doesn't mean my soul agrees with it. Doesn't mean that I feel it. Doesn't mean that my circumstances confirm it. Doesn't mean that my thoughts are continually where they need to be. It means it is the determination of who I am. And I will hold on to it. That's what Paul describes. Holding on to it, grasping it with both hands. The rest that we have is not a rest that that we have to go get. It's in Christ Jesus. Where are you? Well, I'm in Christ, right? Well, what does that mean? When troubles, when difficulties, when unexpected events occur, when things seem to be going against, when this world seems to be on a negative pathway, when things seem to be culminating into what may be a disaster, either in your life or in the world you live in. What does that mean? That means that though my palms may sweat, That means, though, that fear may make the hair on the back of my neck stand up. That that means that no matter what I see and perceive with my mind, will, and emotion, I am holding to the truth. I rest in the truth. Doesn't sound like rest, does it? Ah, I had no rest existed apart from a beach. But it does. You see, God has done something for you that he did on, on, on behalf of you in your, in your perfection before him. He called it done. He created you perfectly in his image. Your rest is the same way. You don't create your righteousness. You don't create your salvation. You don't create your rightness with God. You don't create your holiness. You don't create any of those things. It was given you in the new creation, wasn't it? Rest was too. Do you always feel saved? Hmm? Does it always look like you're saved? Did you lose your salvation? Rest is the same way.
I can't see it. You say, I, you may say, I can't see it. I can't feel it. We live this life by what? Faith. The word of God has revealed the truth to you. Now, today, enter in. Do not live in disobedience of fear, the disobedience of fear and doubt. Do not wander in the barren lands of the flesh. Enter in. Because you can choose to appropriate what is already true. God is not worried about you. God is not concerned that you're going to make a wrong decision. God is not concerned that that you may screw things up. God is not biting his nails that, that there might be a failure in your life. Why? Well, he's rested from his work. There is a Sabbath day rest. That is the eternal rest that we're going to enter into in the fullness of his kingdom is visited upon this earth. And that rest is to come, but we live in the promise of it, in the shadow of it, in the truth of it. We're, we're citizens of that kingdom. We live by its truth. We are called not from problem to problem, but from glory to glory. That is the kingdom. That is the kingdom work. Verses 12 to 13. For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, the completeness of the person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. And not a creature exists, as verse 13, that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed, and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account. Now, the call of the flesh is an insidious undertow. It's constantly at work upon us. And it is not easily discerned. David asked in Psalm 19.12, who can discern his own errors? Well, If we clutter our minds with the things of this world, if we distract ourselves with the pleasures of flesh and call it blessing, then we will be and are easily deceived. Only the word of God, the logos, which is the reference here, is capable of dividing between soul and spirit. And what does that division represent to us? Well, you've seen the diagram. The soul is the mind, will, and emotion. The spirit is who we are. And the body is the suit we wear. And so often we believe that the mind, will, and emotion, what we're feeling, what we're thinking, what we are experiencing in our body is us, our reality. And we take things on. We make perceptions. We have perceptions. We make judgments. We make decisions based on what we think, what we see. And we embrace things that look good to us, like Lot 
We decide that things are okay in our judgment apart from the wisdom of God. Well, the sword that he's speaking of in the Greek is not describing a Roman soldier's sword that would be used to hack between the two, though at times I wish he would. It actually describes a dagger, an incredibly sharp dagger that's used for precise incision. That's our merciful God. And he cuts away those things. He reveals to us. Now, Mike had a saying. He said, what God reveals, he'll heal. And of course, that operates with the presumption that you're going to yield that thing to him. There's things in our lives that are askew. They're not proper. They're not correct yet. And we're not even aware of it. Why? Because it would undo us. We're not ready for it. God's going to put it together. You know, the word used in the Bible so often is in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time, God will reveal those things to you. And when he does, he will separate. The revelation is a separation between soul and spirit. That's what that revelation is. That is where he literally, through the stark contrast between revealed truth and the deception and distortion of a physical mind, he brings a sharp cut and he says, this is truth, this is not. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.